Boom. We are live. We are up. We are doing it. And it's a bit of a throwback episode. We are here live with one of the founders of the Climb in the Pocket podcast. He's all grown up now. ESPN <laughs> draft analyst. You might see him, you know, covering the SEC day in, day out. It's the man, the myth, the legend. What's going on, JR? How you doing, man? How you been? I'm good, man. It's this great to be back it's been a while feels like years since we've recorded it actually probably has been like a year or so since yeah, we recorded so <laughs> yeah it's it's a pleasure being back and you know i finally got the go ahead to come back on so you know i had to make an appearance man that's super dope and like i know we got a couple things here that we want to we want to talk about but before we jump into all that just like i know for for you like me miles yanka like we jumped in. We've known about like this being your dream, kind of getting to ESPN, doing what you're doing right now. But there's a ton of folks who have been following this journey along the way. And I'm just wondering if you could just give a little insight into like what it's been like actually getting to go out and like live your dream day in and day out, covering the draft, doing what you're doing now. So I'll just tell my story just because I love telling it. Um, I am originally a Vikings fan from North Carolina and everybody was like, Everybody always asks, man, how in the world are you a Vikings fan living in North Carolina all your life? So I originally grew up a Randy Moss fan. That's really where all my fandom came from. That's how I fell in love with football. And Randy Moss was essentially like a god to me. So stay with the team after that. But it's, a, it's really funny how my whole Twitter following actually started. So back in, I think it was March of 2015 is when I originally started my Twitter account. And the reason why I started the account was I was so mad at free agency. And if you remember back then, it was old school free agency where they flew in for a visit. They ate at Manny's, the steakhouse in downtown Minnesota. They wined and dined every free agent. And social media wasn't super popular back then, but everybody was refreshing everything to see if that player signed. So the player that I wanted to sign so badly back then, he was a defensive end by the name of Michael Johnson. And he had came with Mike. He had played with Mike Zimmer, played under Mike Zimmer when he was with the Bengals. And they obviously had interest. And I'll never forget, Chris Thompson was at the airport, former Vikings beat writer, Chris Thompson was at the airport taking pictures of Michael Tom or taking pictures of Michael Johnson. And I was like, yeah, we're about to sign him. And come to find out, they didn't end up signing him. So I started an entire Twitter account facing, like just talking about my frustration about it. I can't believe they let him walk out the door. I thought Michael Johnson basically was Reggie White for whatever reason. I wanted him to sign Michael Johnson so bad. So that was the whole basis of starting an actual Twitter account. And then after that, did a bunch of Vikings content for various websites, a bunch of draft-centric stuff, uh, breaking down some Vikings players too. And then after that, started you know, deviating a little bit more to crowds of all 32 teams, uh, got a little bit away from Vikings content. Of course, still a huge Vikings fan, so I gave my insight. Still give my insight every now and then about the team, but wanted to expand my crowd a little bit more, be more draft-centric just because that was my area of expertise. I've loved the draft ever since I was growing up, watching guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay on TV, going back and forth, figuring out background information about these guys, and then, of course, looking at them, looking at highlight tapes on YouTube. That's basically how I got my start in scouting. I didn't have any coaches film or anything like that. I was just assessing guys and evaluating them based off of highlight tapes. Um, and then after that, I got enough courage to start a blog. And after that, after I started that blog, I just started publishing a whole bunch of stuff after I was freelancing. And then I got an opportunity with a website called Cover One 
So cover one is ran by Eric Turner. They're still out there right now, which is a Buffalo Bills centric website. They still do a bunch of great work over there. Me and Eric are still best friends to this day. He really was the first one that gave me an opportunity as far as my written basis to, you know, get some pocket change. That's all it was at the time. That was really my first paid opportunity. Uh, then after that, I got an opportunity to work with a company called the Draft Network, who everybody knows about. I worked there for two years. And then ESPN came out of nowhere. Uh, it was a blessing in disguise for me, and I'm enjoying every single second of it. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. Well, you you mentioned it. You know, the last couple of stops have been super draft-centric. And, uh, I mean, obviously, that's why we got you here. We started out talking about the draft with, uh, you know, the old blogger site. You know, I don't hate Sam Bradford and all that good <laughs> stuff. And, uh, you know, here we are. My boys made it on ESPN. So uh, before we jump into, like, your specific mock draft, Give us a little background on just like this draft in general, because like I know that you'll always say every draft is a little different. So like what are the strengths of this draft? What are the positions that you want to like have of need going into this draft? Where is it weak? How are you evaluating what this draft looks like from uh, from top to bottom this class? Well, just comparing it to last year's draft class, it doesn't have as much star power. Like there's no Aiden Hutchison. There's no Sauce Gardner. I don't think there's a lot of players that are going to step into the league right away and be pro bowlers or all pros in a sense. I don't really see that type of player in this draft class, but the quarterback class is much better than what we saw a year ago. The big four at the top, uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, those are going to be the ones that are the ones you hear about the most. Hendon Hooker uh, is another from Tennessee. There's another that you hear about a lot. So it's a very quarterback-driven draft, but as far as the position groups that I think are the strongest running back, edge rusher, cornerback, and then also tight end. Those are really your four position groups that really drive this position class. And I think with this draft class, it isn't, like I said, it's not a star power driven. There's not a lot of guys that's going to step in and be those all pros or pro bowl, pro bowl players right away. But if you're looking to fill out your roster with a lot of depth in rounds two through four, I think you're going to be very happy with this draft class. All right. So uh, Vikings off season so far. I know that like, you know, every now and again, when you get a break, you jump in and give your thoughts about what's going on with the Vikings or like sometimes your unfiltered thoughts in the DMs. But, you know, with what you can share, what are your thoughts on how the Vikings have handled things in the offseason so far? Um, I, I think it's been very calculated and measured. I think those are two words that I think really describe what Kwesi has done so far. And you notice he's trying to Look towards the future, just because I think what he wants to deviate from a little bit is that he kind of was his hands were tied a little bit with some of the courtesy contracts that I like to say that Spielman gave out that you're seeing with some of the guys that they're going away from. Eric Kendricks, uh, Harrison Smith, who took a salary reduction, uh, Adam Thielen, who they ended up going away from. And then some of the other contract restructures that they did. He wants to get away from some of the old core that were that we've grown used to seeing with this team. And now he wants to leave his imprint on this team. And I think that's what we're going to start to see. We already started to see it a little bit this year, but he's been very calculated and measured with his moves. Nothing has been over a two-year deal. I don't even count the Josh Oliver deal just because it's structured more so like a two-year deal, but I know it was a three-year deal on paper, but that's really a two-year deal to me. Byron Murphy, I thought that was a terrific signing. I think that's the exact type of signing that they wanted to do. Marcus Davenport is a great roll of the dice. And they all fit the criteria that they're looking for, explosive athletes. And that's something that we've seen that Kwesi wants as far as the players that he wants to fill throughout this roster. So over the next two years, this team is going to look a lot different. Um, it's already starting to look different, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, so I noticed one player that you notably didn't bring up when you were talking about the Vikings offseason so far is uh, it's Kirk Cousins, you know, and, uh, you know, you said they're having a measured offseason. You also mentioned that this quarterback, if there was a place, excuse me, this draft class, if there was a position that it was maybe a little nicer at that you were looking to maybe get after it would be the quarterback position. So I guess what are your thoughts on, A, what the Vikings have or haven't done with Kirk because there hasn't been an extension and what that might do or how that might affect what they do for the rest of this offseason, including the draft? Well, I think what they've done a great job of is keeping the leverage in their hands just because that's a position that I don't think Kirk is really used to. He's used to having the leverage. And even going back to his days at Washington, he's always had the leverage in these contracts. And the thing with Kirk is that he, he wants to be um, he wants to be loyal to the organization that believes in him. And I think he wants to be a Viking for the rest of his career. But him turning 36 year, years old after this year, I think it's time for the Vikings to think about how they can get off of what I like to say, an exit ramp uh, with Kirk Cousins. They have to figure out a way to that next quarterback. And I don't know what they're going to do. I don't even think they know what they want to do right now just because I think they're so fixated on Kirk being the guy in 2023. But I think they have to figure out what's going to happen in 2024 and beyond. But I think they're going to let things play out this year. Um, I don't think they're going to trade up for a quarterback, honestly. I just don't think they have the draft capital in order to do that. Um, But if they take one, you know, fourth, fifth round, that wouldn't surprise me. I had them taking Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA in the fourth round of my mock draft, my most recent mock draft. Uh, that's something that I could see them um, doing in this next draft. Awesome. And then uh, before we jump into your mock with a little more detail, from your perspective, strengths and weaknesses of the team, if you're looking at the Vikings, as I'm sure you have to do for all the teams as you're doing your mocks, like where are you seeing the places where the Vikings are strong? And then yeah, where are the places that you like are really looking at them like, wow, like they need some help. They need to go and get some guys and need to do that like right away. I would like to see them add another defensive tackle, honestly, just because I like Harrison Phillips. Uh, I think Dalvin Tomlinson is a huge loss for them just because he played so many different positions along the interior. But I would like to see them get a big run, no stuffing run tackle. I think that's a uh, defensive tackle, I should say. I think that's something that they're going to need in the future, especially if they're playing the three down defensive front. I just don't think they have a lot of depth there. And, you know, there's a lot of names there right now. I'm just looking at the depth chart, Kiers Tonga, uh, Sheldon Day, Ross Blacklock, Jonathan Bullard. These are just back of the end of the roster type of guys. I would like to see them maybe take a late round nose stuffing run tackle, uh, defensive tackle, I should say. I think that's something that can help them out a lot. Or even we've talked about this in the group chat plenty. Somebody like Aishon Robinson, I think, will be a great pickup for them. Just having that big body along the interior, especially if you're going to rotate Davenport, Zadarius Smith, and also Daniel Hunter, having that flexibility and that versatility of having that big body um, run stuffer in the middle. I think that could help them a lot getting through those first two downs. And then Brian, Brian Flores can do what he does on third down, uh, bringing in that NASCAR package that I like to say mixing and matching all those guys. So nose tackle, I think that's an area where they need to improve. They've done a good job of filling cornerback. I still would like to see them drive one more uh, just because the injuries with the Caleb Evans and also Andrew Booth, that does scare me a little bit. And then Byron Murphy, I think he is, he's actually better at, at nickel as opposed to outside. That's what he showed at Arizona. He can play outside, but um, they have a huge hole at nickel corner right now. So I would like to see them draft another outside corner and then also another linebacker, too. I think they need somebody to pair with Brian Osamoa. I don't think Jordan Hicks is in the long-term plans. He's just the current solution for them right now. So linebacker, secondary, and then also nose tackle. I think that's an area 
uh, where they need to improve. And then, of course, wide receiver. I like K.J. Osborne, but I don't know if he's ready to step into that second wide receiver role to be the answer opposite of Justin Jefferson. Um, I would like to see them get more of a, a high-end player there. So um, wide receiver is definitely one area where I, where I think they could use a, early round draft capital on. All right. Well, uh, let's get to it then. Let's talk about your draft. Let's talk about some of these players that you uh, – you selected for the Vikings and your thought process, your reasoning for it. And I can already tell with some of the picks that uh, the comments, they got some questions for you here because they think that maybe you've gone in the wrong direction with some of these. So, like, we're going to get right to it. First pick, you have us selecting Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. Talk me through that. And then you're going to have to answer some questions from our man, Amir, who who feels like this is just not a right fit for, for what, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell wants to do. Well, if you think about it, everywhere Addison has been, he's been a star receiver at Purdue, or excuse me, at Pitt. He was able to produce a lot of yards and he ended up winning the Bolitnikoff Award, which is the best receiver in the country. And then he did the same exact thing when he was at USC. He didn't win the Bolitnikoff, but he put up similar type of numbers. And I think with him being able to play in the slot and then also the outside, being able to mix and match him and Justin Jefferson in different ways, I think that's an area where Kevin O'Connell would have a little bit more creativity in his back pocket just because you're not so fixated on if this person can play in the slot or if this person can play on the outside. I think that's the big trouble that they ran into with Adam Thielen just because Thielen was so good in the slot. And then with him, um, you know, losing some speed and losing some physical ability, ability, he wasn't able to consistently produce on the outside. So I think with Addison, you can play him in the slot, you can play him outside, and then he brings that dynamic ability like a Calvin Ridley of where you can use him all over the field. Once you have a versatile wide receiver like that, now you can use Justin Jefferson everywhere. But I think the big thing that hurt the Vikings last year outside of TJ Hawkinson, they had nobody that was consistently uh, being able to thrive off of that attention that um, Justin Jefferson got. So they need that other option just because you don't really need that high end wide receiver three, in my opinion. That's why I think KJ is perfect in that wide receiver three um, or fourth option role just because Hawkinson basically is going to be your second receiver just because he's so physically gifted as that second guy. But I just think you need that second option just because TJ's not going to be consistent on the outside. He just doesn't have the explosiveness to consistently flex him out and beat guys on the outside. So you need that complimentary second option. I think Addison would be perfect for that. So what are your thoughts on Amir's take here that like Addison doesn't have the traits that Kevin O'Connell wants. He's feeling like flowers would be, a better fit for for what the Vikings want to do. Um, I'm not super familiar with the exact traits that O'Connell looks for. Um, I'll have to look that up myself. So I'm not sure exactly what the traits that he's on record with saying that he covets. But I'm just talking about a fit in that offense. I think he would be perfect. Just going back to what the Rams had. I think he's exactly what they had going back to that offense, what they had with McVay. I think Addison would be perfect in that type of scheme. All right. So we're moving along. Obviously, we got to wait for a little bit for the next pick in your in your in your mock to come up because we did make the trade, and uh, we're addressing linebacker. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the linebacker that you got us picking here out of Auburn. Yeah, Owen Papo. He's one that I'm really excited about, and if they love Brian Asamoa, they're gonna love Owen Papo just because he has the explosiveness that you're looking for. He ran four three nine, which is ridiculously fast for a linebacker at his size. And he has the cover skills that they covet, but also he can be used as a blitzer, too. And that's something that you really need to be able to do. And Brian Flores' scheme, especially talking about somebody that's as blitz happy as he is, you want that explosive athlete 
uh, in that type of defense. So I think pairing him with Brian Asamoa, I think that would be perfect. Um, you can play him at Mike, you can play him at Will, and you can interchange those guys just because I think their instincts are so great, but also they're able to hold up in man coverage and also zone coverage too, and they're great athletes. And a tendency that they showed last year that I think is going to continue this year is that they highly value 10-yard splits. At every position, every player was in the 80th percentile or higher in the 10-yard split. So that was something that I looked at when I was slotting the picks for the Vikings. So every athlete or every player um, outside of Jordan Addison uh, in my mock draft had was in the 80th percentile or higher in this draft class with their 10-yard split. Awesome. Uh, of course, you know, Ryan's telling us he loves the idea of Addison, but he wants Marvin Mims. Uh so, so if if he went to if he if he went to Texas, he wouldn't want him. I mean, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. And then uh I want to get to your next pick, and I want you to maybe take us with a little bit more depth into not just the reasoning for the pick, but also the player. You mentioned him a little bit earlier, but uh you have us picking a quarterback uh with, with the next pick in the draft here. And I guess some folks are wondering like mid-round swing we've seen you know the kellen mons and others kind of come through in recent years and just kind of you know it's it's a very low probability kind of hit what made you pick uh dorian thompson robinson and uh i guess what is it that makes you think that maybe this is the type of player that could develop into something for the vikings over time well i've seen dtr throughout the pre-draft process i got an opportunity to see him out in las vegas at the east west shrine bowl um, I really liked what I saw. I thought it got better every single day throughout the week. Him getting coaching from Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, the way he was responding to that type of tough coaching, I really liked what I saw from him. Um, he's an accurate thrower, but also he has the mobility um, that I think is required in today's day and age. And, I mean, he's just a developmental guy. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins or anybody like that. Anytime you take these mid-round quarterbacks, it's a lottery ticket. And if I was a general manager, I would take a quarterback every two years just because even if they don't develop into a starter, they become an asset for you. And we're seeing teams every year trade for these late-round quarterbacks. So with DTR, I just like everything that I've seen throughout the pre-draft process with him. And there's not a whole bunch of quarterbacks that I'm really interested in after those top five. Um, but he's my quarterback six right now, and he would be one that I would be comfortable with taking taking in the fourth or the fifth round. Um, and that's why I said, like, I, the Vikings could draft a quarterback this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't. But providing competition uh, with Nick Mullins, I think that would be great for them. At worst, he could be a practice squad guy for you, and then he develops into a backup. So just having that third guy, that young guy on the roster, that's kind of what I envision with him. And <laughs> what happens all the times with fans is that they expect every quarterback – especially a mid or a late round guy to turn into something. That's not the case with DTR. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer moving forward. He's just another option that you can have in your back pocket when you move on or if you move on from Kirk Cousins in 2024. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, because obviously just given where the Vikings are and, and given the fact that Kirk wasn't locked up, the quarterback position, that's going to be the conversation. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the top four and then you kind of mentioned, you know, Hendon Hooker as uh, as QB five. And Hendon Hooker is also someone that of late is starting to be mocked to the Vikings with a bit more frequency. Um, I guess, is there anything you can tell us about Hendon Hooker's game? And then I guess also, how would you feel as a Vikings fan if Hendon Hooker was the pick at quarterback for the team? So this is something that we definitely need to watch on draft day. Um, I firmly expect the Vikings to trade out of the first round completely or trade back multiple spots. I just think Kwesi wants more shots at the dartboard. 
Um, just because entering the draft with five picks, I just don't see that happening. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up with eight or nine selections or even more, just because the Vikings really lack depth at a lot of spots. And I think he's going to try to trade back. Of course, it takes two to tango, it takes two to dance to make a trade. So um, I'm hoping he gets a little bit better value than the trade we saw a year ago. Uh, if he does end up trying to trade back this year, but I don't think they're going to pick at 23. Like I, I, I even put this in the mock. I would be shocked if they picked at 23, especially only having five draft picks. Yeah. And so, you know, the homies over here, one bar and love just want to know if hooker was, was 22. Is hooker then a surefire first round pick. And then maybe first 22 and not coming off injury. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot to answer the second part of the question. I got, Team got caught in team trade back there, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I was actually at the game when he tore his ACL against South Carolina. So I got a chance to talk to Hendon prior to the game. Um, as far as the person, you're not going to find a better person than Hendon Hooker. I mean, he's every bit of class, uh, very savvy, uh, comes from a background, a quarterback background. His dad was a successful quarterback at North Carolina a &T. He's a Hall of Famer there, so he's a quarterback through and through. That's the only position he's ever played. He has kind of a, a Jalen Hurts type of feel to him, just to kind of describe his personality, quiet confidence, and leadership skills. On the field, there's a lot of mixed opinions just because of the offense that he played in uh, and that Bryles air raid type of system with Josh Heupel. There's a lot of half-field reads in a sense, and I like to call it a simulated or an inflated offense that takes a lot of deep shots down the field, and it cuts half of the field off. So there's going to be a huge hurdle for him as far as full field reprogressions and things of that nature. So, but the great thing for Hendon is that he's coming back from the torn ACL. You don't have to rush him into action. That's why I think the Vikings will be a great landing spot for him just because you already have Kirk here. And then you have a high upside project in Hendon Hooker that doesn't have to be rushed back. But the key part with Hendon and what's going to be so key with his landing spot is that I think he needs to go to a team that's already kind of ready-made right now, especially him being an older guy. And before the uh, Derek Carr went to the Saints, I thought the Saints was, was a good spot for him. Tampa would be a good spot for him. And then Minnesota was also a good spot for him, too, especially him being an older guy. And, I mean, age age is something that factors into the equation. But speaking to a lot of scouts and teams, the only time age is red flagged is when a guy turns 25 during the draft process. So he obviously will fall into that category as far as being flagged as being an older type of prospect so it really just depends on the team that you talk to as far as the comfort with taking him but if I had to guess today I think he ends up going somewhere in the mid to late second round just because of how good he played prior to the knee injury and then with a bit of a drop off in this quarterback class I just don't see him getting outside of that midday two range okay and I mean you know we got your mock we got two more picks I know the next pick is the one Ryan really wants us to talk about but we're talking quarterbacks and I know this is something you love to talk about so We've got your QB six. We've got your QB five. We know the top four that everyone's talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm just curious from your perspective, again, thinking as a Vikings fan, the type of system these quarterbacks played in. Obviously, we're probably not getting the first two. We don't have that kind of draft capital. So, you know, Anthony Richardson, pro day today. Will Levis. What are your thoughts on those guys and how they would fit with what we're what we're trying to get built in Minnesota? That's a great question. Um, Levis has been a common mock draft comparison or projection for the Vikings here lately um, from a lot of big name or notable people in the draft industry. So 
I think he would be a good fit in the Vikings offense. Honestly, I think he's the type of project that Kevin O'Connell would love to take on as well as Richardson. I think both of those guys would be intriguing players to them. I just don't know if O'Connell is going to be willing to take the time to invest in them just because they're going to need reps to get better, both of those guys. And I just don't see the reps necessary um, for them, or I should say the reps that are open to them, especially in 2023. So you're talking about players that play in 2024 and beyond potentially. That's why I just don't see them trading up for a quarterback in this draft. They already lack draft capital. So are you going to start to eat into your 2024 picks as well as reduce your number even lower uh, from the five picks that you already have? I just don't really see that happening. But I think either one of them would be good fits uh, for the Vikings. But I just don't know where the reps for them would be outside of a certain package, you know, a red zone package or something like that. I just don't see O'Connell taking Kirk off the field to accommodate those guys. Okay, makes sense. All right, well, let's hop back to your mock then. And, you know, you finally made a pick that made Ryan happy here. Talk to me about, you know, defensive lineman, Oklahoma, Jalen Redmond. Yeah, I mean, a player that has been in Oklahoma forever. It seems like he's been there five or six years. Um, I've been scouting him for multiple years now, thinking he's eventually going to come out. But big, powerful, strong guy at the point of attack. He's like six foot three, six foot four, 290 pounds. But was really surprised with the numbers that he put up at the combine was super explosive. So I think he's a player that's probably going to be a little bit higher on their board than some others. Um, I think I had him going in the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think that's a comfortable spot for him. Um, but big, strong, explosive, powerful guy. He's not going to be a high sack guy, more so of a rotational piece, which is exactly what they need along the interior. But as far as the boxes that he checks from from an explosiveness standpoint and then a need standpoint, I think he would be a really good addition for them along the interior. Awesome. And then bring us home. Your last pick. We finally get around to that cornerback that you were talking about. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, what is it? Catrell Clark from uh, from Louisville. Yeah, one of my favorite players in this draft class. You talk about somebody that has an absolute dog mentality in them. He was the player that I was most surprised by and excited about out in Las Vegas at the Shrine Bowl. And he originally started his career out at Liberty. He was a standout there, uh, was heavily recruited when he got into the graduate or the um, transfer portal. Uh, ended up sticking at Louisville, played inside, played outside. He has that Jair Alexander type of mentality of where he's undersized but he feels as if he's six foot two, 200 pounds, and he's a firecracker coming downhill and run support, has the ball production that you love to see at the position. I think he's going to be a day one starting nickel corner for whoever drafts him. Um, and I'm hoping the Vikings can get him just because I think he changes a lot of things in their secondary, and he's also going to give you A-plus effort on special teams too, which is what you're going to have to have and some of the hats that you're going to have to wear, especially as a late-round player. Awesome. I feel like you answered this anyway, but, you know, I got to ask this question. Cascole Purple Podcast. They're here for every, every, every show. You know, friends of the show. So we got JR on. We're going to ask you, what are some other favorites that you got for day three guys the Vikings might be looking at? Ooh, you put me on the spot here. Um, I mean, Keisha Clark is one that I talked about already. Um, another day three guy that I like. I don't know if he's going to end up going day three, but if he does, Zach Pickens of South Carolina, a defensive tackle. I think he's one that they really could find intriguing and then i mean the other players that i put in my mop <laughs> they're gonna be my favorite on day three owen papo uh, from auburn uh, linebacker from auburn i think he's another player that they're gonna find really intriguing too so i'm really interested to see what the vikings really do in this draft class just because i think they have to hit on a lot of picks this year and it's really essentially like they're gonna get two draft classes here just because 
those early round guys, they didn't play at all last year. Lewis seen missed time early on after he got the ankle injury. Andrew Booth Jr. had the one start uh, where he didn't look good, but he ended up having the injury too. So they're essentially going to get two draft classes in one in this year. So I'm excited to see what the young guys do this year. Yeah. So like on that note, that was the next question I was going to ask here from uh, from Joseph. What are your thoughts? What are your hopes for the for the guys they're getting back from uh, from last year's draft class? I'm excited to see what they do. There's a lot of guys that are going to take on a bigger role this year. Brian Asamoa is going to step in for Eric Kendricks this year. We'll see what he ends up doing. He showed flashes during the tail end of last season. I'm excited to see what happens in the training camp battle between Booth and Evans. Whoever comes out of that, I think one of those guys are going to be your starting corner opposite of Byron Murphy. They have a big question mark at nickel corner. We'll see what they end up doing there, whether it's signing a veteran or taking somebody in the draft. Um, and then some of these other young guys, I'm excited to see, too, uh, that they end up drafting this year, too. Like I said, I think it's going to be two draft classes in one just because those first or early round guys, uh, I think they're going to take a big step up. Um, they have no choice this year with the expanded roles and Ed Ingram. We'll see if he takes a big leap in year two after there was a lot of excitement about him in training camp. And he had a lot of ups and downs last year. But I think those reps are really going to pay dividends for him in year two. Awesome. Last question for you before we get you out of here for the night. Uh you mentioned Ashawn Robinson already. Are there any other free agents out there that you'd like to see the Vikings target? Anyone that's still kind of flying under the radar that you think might be able to step in and help given kind of where the Vikings are going and the scheme they're going to be running? Um, I'm going to be greedy when I say this. Um, Rocky Sin, the cornerback uh, that played with the Raiders last year. He's one I think that could really help that cornerback room, but I don't expect them to sign another corner, honestly, just because I think – Whenever you invest high draft capital in that position, you want to see and you just want to put them in a bag and let them figure it out. Uh, pick one name out of hat and then who ends up being a starter between Booth and Evans. I think they're going to roll with that next year. But it makes me a little bit uneasy, especially with the concussion issues with Evans. And then Booth just hasn't played an entire season. Going back to his days at high school, he's just been the walking wounded in a sense, <laughs> uh, even going back to his days at Clemson. So uh, he's one of those plays that, unfortunately just bound to get hurt at some point uh so i would like to see them add another corner but i think brock is sin i think he, he would be a little bit pricey so that's why i said i don't expect him to sign him but he would be one that i would love for them to add along with a robinson word well i feel like you've given us you know all we need all the knowledge we need to understand to fix the vikings before we get you out of here jr where can the folks find you what do you got going on what are you going to be doing during the draft so I'm going to be on ESPN radio for all three days of the draft. That's, that is my draft assignment this year. Got a lot of things upcoming, um, more so podcasts and radio stuff. Don't have any more mock drafts coming out <laughs> this year. After my seventh rounder, I'm done after that. But we have myself, my colleagues, Matt Miller, Mel Kuyper, and Todd McShay. We have some specials that are going to be coming on over the next month or so leading up to the draft. So we have some really good things planned in this store for you guys i can't reveal everything right now but we will be revealing everything over the next two two or three weeks leading up to the draft awesome well uh you know feels so good to be reunited to have you back on finally finally, finally. back in the house <laughs> and uh, you know before we go shout out to vikings rome hadn't seen you in a minute good to see you here clifford ryan joseph everybody who came on thanks for coming out and that's it that's all that's our show We'll see you soon. Have a good one, y'all.